Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And this is 51 First Dates. It's a podcast. It's about dating. We basically wanted to look at dating from a project lens, and I went on some dates, and we always try to pitch what this podcast is about at the beginning of this show and fail miserably. But I think, Liza, I've been thinking about it lately. I really think we do this podcast because we want to, like, yeah, encourage dating, but also, like, encourage people to think about dating from like themselves and their own life and what's good for them versus because society told us we should date and find someone you know completely yeah I think it's a I think it's a um more a podcast about like feminism and therapy yeah it is about Very dating true. it's just dating is the platform um or whatever the the I can't think of the right word but it's it's the thing that we talk about but it's, it's the, the vehicle I need to stop the vehicle nailed it um so yeah so we are obviously still in pandemic times uh dating is at a slowdown it's I would say it's not at a stand standstill anymore it's at a no. significant slowdown though yeah um and- so we're Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and it's tricky, just like what's responsible in terms of dating right now. I think, you know, yeah, that's that's a tricky thing. So we'll call it a slowdown still of dating, which I think is a healthy way to be dating right now. Completely. Yeah. And and some people are like out there going on dates, being safe, it's doing distancy dates. Like it is uh it is a time you can you can go on dates, but like it's a weird time to be uh doing what we advocate for, which is kind of like aggressive dating. <laughs> Not aggressive <laughs> dating, assertive dating. Regular and um like uh I, I can't think of any words. Maybe we're the assertive dating my. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Asserting assertive and intentional. I hate that fucking word so much. It's so stupid, but it's you know, useful. Um, so yeah, we're, we've been talking a lot about con- what, what content we're consuming, what people are up to in quarantine and also just other stuff about being a woman. Yeah, no, I love it. Liza, today is specifically womanly, um, though men, I would encourage you to continue listening because we, after we go over our content consumption, um, we're going to, the theme of this episode will be outside of our, our listener questions. We have a few of those, but we'll be eggs. Maybe eggs. eggs, ovaries, and uteri. Ovaries and uteri. <laughs> um, yeah. So part of the reason I'm out of it a little bit, or whatever, I feel like I'm having already. I always have a hard time finding my words, but I'm already having a hard time finding my words. Is that I froze my eggs in the last two weeks. I had my retrieval yesterday, so um, I I have like some slight drugs in my system. <laughs> nothing, nothing crazy, but uh, but yeah, we're gonna just like talk about that, and I don't know. I I feel insecure, like that it's uh annoying and people don't want to hear about it but I just feel like I don't know no listen I think you know we can we can like you know tiptoe our way in by talking about just like the you know the thing that I don't I still just don't feel that we talk about enough is just like reproduction and women and society and dating and if you're a woman who wants to have a child and you want to have a child using your own eggs there are these weird time limits that really you know, impede certain freedoms that I would argue men who want to have children have. And and additionally, you know, 
I think just the it's, it's unfair. We can get into IUDs as well, birth control. There's just we as women who have sex with men have a lot of shit to deal with that does impact dating, I think. And I, we thought it would be I mean, Liza, I don't I don't think you should feel like it's annoying. Like you, you know, had the opportunity to do this and I think we should share your experience because honestly, I'm curious. Um, okay. Yeah. Do you know what I feel like? I a I feel like an annoying person who thinks I'm an influencer, which trust me, I know I do not. No, but no, I no. also feel like the meme that's like, you know, the meme that's like no one colon it says nothing and then it's like influencer colon a lot of you have been asking about my skincare routine (laughs) i feel like that bit about eggs it's like no one asked but i i partially it's like i kind of wish i had known a little bit more about it going in even though like i asked the doctors a million questions and i did do research like watch youtube videos of people who had done it and like watch some of actual influencers who had done it like and some people have done really cool things like katie storino had an amazing Mm -hmm. instagram story series like people have talked about their experiences but but there is still like a lot of shit that I didn't know and uh I wish I had <laughs> I promise that nobody listening to this is like oh what an egg influencer like I'm turning it off I just <laughs> wanted to say influencer cannot be the title but of this episode <laughs> absolutely egg influencing okay, um no <laughs> but I think no I think it's an in- and listen if you're a loyalist this podcast is coming out a little later than normal on Tuesday because Liza was recovering and we don't plan in advance very well. But, you know, I think it's top of mind. I think it's worth talking about. Uh, I think, I don't know. I, I really think there's, I, you know, at me, if, if you feel that, no, she's influencing too much, you guys should have not talked about this versus like, this is valuable info, let me know. But I feel like there are zero people who listen to this no, podcast who feel that way. Don't at Kimmy. No, whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about my, my having to get a new IUD because I want to join in on the pain. Uh, anyway, before we dive into our content consumption corner, I would just say, Liza, we got some really cute cute that was patronizing wonderful like sweet reviews on apple Podcasts. so shout out to you users it means the world uh it's a silly annoying thing to always be talking about so i'll do it right now and i'll do it quickly but it helps us we're reaching out to new guests you know figuring out as dating comes back you know whether olivia keeps dating for us or if other people start to come on and date but we really you know with those reviews mean the world and make people think we are cool and not a problematic podcast um okay yeah completely like it is really the first thing if we were to to a guest that's like the first thing they google us that they see is how many reviews we have and how many stars we get and it is a weird thing to like uh ask for but it really is it costs it's it's quick it's free and it helps us out so much so we would highly appreciate it also follow us on instagram at 51firstdatespod yeah you can email us at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com with any thoughts feelings um if anyone has questions about egg stuff after this episode please email us i'll i'll uh, be lying in bed so i'm happy to respond um and yeah yeah we love that it is that all the business that's good business we have a patreon go check it out you've heard our spiel liza what are you watching and consuming i maybe yeah Okay, it's embarrassing as it always. I mean, this is not new, but it is embarrassing. I have been catching up with actually like for the first time real time. I am caught up with the 90 Day Fiance franchise, Mm. except for the most recent season. I started the most recent season yesterday and it just looks too painful. It's it's a problematic show on so many levels. 
I'm embarrassed that I like it, but also I know that a lot of listeners like it because people have reached out. And so I'm, I'm like, whatever. It's, there's obviously something compelling about it and people fucking are into Liza, this franchise. It is a hot garbage that is so delicious and tasty. And like, I, I haven't, I'm not caught up because sometimes it spins me into darkness, but I am watching Married at First Sight. So do not give yourself a hard time. It is a good show. It's great. But I finished the most recent season of Before the 90 Days, which famously has Big Ed, who is now like a Mayo. meme. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I watched that. Um, I also continue my rewatch of Mad Men, which, unoriginal thought, it's just so good. Um, and okay, so I watched something recently that I wait, did we already talk about this potentially? So my fiance Jeff has never seen, had never seen Legally Blonde. And I watched it. We watched it together. And I was a little concerned because like it's a, he has broad tastes, but I do think sometimes he just doesn't like quote unquote, like girly movie. Like I'll be watching something and he'll just be like, okay, like I get this like 45 minutes in, like I don't need to watch this or whatever. Mm. And sounds sexy. That movie (laughs) is just so, I mean, yeah, like. That movie is just so fucking good. And he, not that this is the arbiter of that, but he like loved every second of it. And I had just forgotten like how fun and silly and like just fucking delicious that movie is. It was such a fun rewatch. And it's like deliciously pink. It's so pink. It's so feminine. And yet it's like, you know, it, it I you rewatched more recently. I really, yeah, that would be fun to do for the Patreon, but it feels feminist. I feel like that's yes. like some our generation feminist canon in the film world I don't know. completely 100 percent, and and so many little nuggets about it were so like it it aged okay it aged well it is mm. extremely white it's an extremely white movie yes um but outside of that which is obviously like not not good uh there were i don't think there were any moments where i was like "Ooh, that wouldn't be made in 2020 which was cool it was um it was it's just like so fun, so smart. I think Reese Witherspoon is just the biggest movie star. She's, She's so good. So good in that. Like I can remember uh, how good she is in that, just and not yeah. having seen it in so long. Yep. It was such a blast. So like and such a great quarantine rewatch where like I am getting a little burnt out on TV, but sometimes serious movies are like, you know, they put you in a place of like, oh, this is serious. And it was the perfect, uh, it was the perfect tone to strike of like nostalgia, fun, like easy watch, such a good quarantine rewatch. Highly recommend. No, that's, that's a good one. I have been, yeah, consuming my normal garbage um, of maybe I'll get back into 90 Day Fiance because I, you know, I'm getting a little tired of the Married at First Sight format. I, I'm surprised at how many seasons I've got through now. I'm now on season four. Oh. We skipped a season, though, because nobody liked each other and everyone was kind of awful. Uh, but anyway, I yeah, mm, 90 Day Fiance could be my new garbage. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, you know what I watched this week? Because it's really been, again, married at first sight and then going to bed to like Shit's Creek. But I watch, I started that show on Netflix called Unwell. Have you seen this advertised to you? Oh my God. I watched the first two episodes of that. Me too. And I only watched the first two. And it's interesting because I haven't picked it back up yet. But if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I am deeply disturbed by a lot of the QAnon conspiracy theories. Don't need to give them a platform. It's some really dark stuff that has now morphed into like 
wellness zone and I every day it feels like I see someone new post about these really dangerous like absolutely rooted in political right-wing conspiracies as though it's like saving the children and wellness and we will not get into that on this podcast oh I'll recommend the rabbit hole podcast by the New York Times that I haven't listened to yet but is about this so like and there's an Atlantic article I can post about QAnon so okay don't talk about QAnon too much, Kimmy. I am like utterly terrified, so I can't it's stop. deeply upset. I'm so upset. Someone, you know, near me actually, and I'm in North Carolina, but in Georgia, like just is going to Congress because she's in, you know, a red state. So she'll, she won her primary and she absolutely believes in QAnon. And it, it's very racist. It's very, don't let the wellness people fool you. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway, this show hit me at a good time in terms of like the first episode, Liza, is about, um, uh, oh my God, essential oils. I can't even think of the name because I'm so unwell. Yes. But, and the pyramid, I love a multi-level novel marketing story. Ugh. It's so sad, but I, I do, you, okay, you are a filmmaker editor. How do you think about the way they're kind of like, so each episode focuses on something from the wellness industry. Um, the first is essential oils the second was tantric sex um but I feel like it's interesting they're showing different sides but without like I don't know Liza what do you think about it from that filmmaking perspective I weirdly loved it I thought it was going to be this like vicious takedown of all things wellness Mm -hmm. which is kind of why I showed up for it I was like you know I'm a little in the like fuck wellness space because we've seen again how these spaces can become dark very quickly but I think what they showed I loved in the essential oils one They interviewed two people who had done like really extensive aromatherapy training, like hundreds and hundreds of hours. And we're very like, no, you never ingest this like that. Like, Mm -hmm. and they showed a couple of people who had had a really nice effect on and they showed these experts being like, yeah, it maybe is some placebo effect. But if this can help you relax even 10 percent when you're recovering from surgery or for like this autistic teenager who had really uh, had a lot of distress and really had a hard time sleeping. And so, her, you know, she was having a hard time with her developmental stuff because they were like, well, she's that never sleeps. She's very stressed at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love that. I love that they showed some of the ways that like this can be a uh, an addition to traditional medicine or like an, a supplement to your life that is positive. As long as you don't start thinking like, okay, well, this is going to cure my cancer and like I'm going to do this against all medical advice and I'm going to do this when it's not proven. You know, I really, really enjoyed I was when I started watching it, I was like there was that very earnest nurse who worked in the hospital or uh, she was sorry, she was a nurse. She's in a room therapy, like integrative medicine human but who was i think hospital. was was also a nurse was she a nurse okay, yeah cool. or previous like yes but she yeah. worked in the hospital i was watching and i was like oh i hope they don't rip this woman apart like mm-hmm. it seems like what she's doing she's really takes a lot of pride in and is educated and whatever and then they started showing the other people the like you know the space yeah. yeah the and people who who bought bought into the idea that like this is the solution um to all my problems and whatever and then they did the same thing in the tantric sex yeah. Um. One where they were like, this is a lot of this is cultural appropriation. A lot of this is an excuse for um, men to sexually take advantage of women. Yep. And then they showed a couple people who like, you know, work on couples about their sex life. Similar like that are they're like therapists. Mm-hmm. There was like there was like a medium kook woman that they kind I, of didn't take a stance on. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I couldn't get down with that, but no, that okay. was a lot. But the woman in Ohio was so cool. Yeah, like, she was very. I want to cool. go see her. Yep, she was. I mean, she was a therapist basically. She yeah. was a therapist who like worked with couples on their sex life, which is like, hello, we're about we're about that life. Yeah, but so I really liked the way they they kind of laid it out. Um, obviously there were some of their opinions in there, right? But I feel like they were trying to show a spectrum of like. There is some good that can come from this stuff. And then there are some people who take it really far. And that's where like I feel like it's that's a good angle to take for Netflix because they have such wide reach in the US where, again, I'm just like super scared that wellness and spirituality is going to become like an alt, part of the alt-right movement because you may think I'm sounding crazy, but truly look into it. It's pretty scary. Um, and I don't think people are intentionally trying to be harmful in wellness all the time or anything like that. I just think there's some weird overlap and people getting taken advantage of who have platforms and then share these dangerous ideas. But anyways, I think that, you know, if it was totally just a takedown, you wouldn't get as many people watching it. And even if a lot of people turn it off early, I I also appreciated that. Yeah, just very briefly back to the cancer thing, the multi-level marketing, aromatherapy, or not, you know, essential oils. She was like, said something where she really was making people she was selling to believe that it could potentially cure cancer. And that really hit a nerve with me. And this is where I can't yeah. stand wellness because my mom, when she had cancer for many years, had so much advantages, so many advantages compared to other people, was at the best hospitals in the U.S. for cancer, part of the best clinical trials. She was very, very, very fortunate and still passed away. And cancer is awful. And she's also very spiritual, was very into meditation, like would use like an essential oil. But her brother, one of her brothers said – that he was part of one of these MLMs. I don't remember if it was oils. This is so long ago now, but like they lost touch because he was telling her that the chemo she was doing was bad. He's very religious too, which is an interesting intersection. Um, him and his wife just got deep into like selling one of these products and they 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 made her feel that her treatments that were so painful for her to go through, especially as a woman, losing your hair and everything, um, those those couldn't work. But these like these oils they could sell you would. And I can't get like that just hits me in my nerves so when that little woman at the top of the pyramid scream the one in a million was like oh this can I, I just makes me so angry and mad at all for all the people who are going to get taken advantage of one but like yeah. what if they actually did have cancer and then try i i don't know i'm just it's very predatory it's, it's very predatory and upsets me the thing that i think is so upsetting and scary about stuff like that is that I mean I I feel like the belief that oils can cure cancer and the desire to believe the QAnon stuff yep they come from the same place and like John Oliver talked about this maybe two weeks ago on his program about why we believe conspiracy theories as humans they've always been around they've always existed mm-hmm. and and uh, people are really quick to hop on board with them and it's because like w- it's the same reason humans like you know, the Greeks invented the Greek gods. We cannot handle horrible things that happen to us. Like this is how, okay, I love this, sorry if this is getting wordy, but like the the allegory of like vampires and, or not allegory, the story of like how vampires and werewolves came about, that sort of folklore, Mm -hmm. it's because people used to live in these, because, but there's a theory that basically People used to live in these really tiny villages where you know everyone. You know everyone who lives within any distance of you. And there were still serial killers and horrible atrocities and people 
could not handle the fact that people they knew would kill other people they knew mm. in like vicious and brutal ways. So they started inventing vampire lore and were- werewolf lore and monsters and stuff like that. Um, we can't handle the idea that horrible things happen and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like yeah. we as humans can't handle that. And the dark side of that is like people jumping on board with conspiracy theories, people wanting to believe that these oils can cure cancer because they cannot handle the fact that themselves or their loved ones may get very sick and die yep. for no reason. Yeah, and no. that there's nothing that you can do about it. And it's so sad, you know, like it it's is. extremely sad because I feel the same way. Like I want to believe in some magical stuff. Like I truly, truly do. But also it's like I understand that the reason I want to believe in that is because the world is very scary. I think that's where like if you're unsure that that's where like being spiritual and like, you know, I think a lot of people who are like astrologists and into horoscopes are kind of sharing some of this QAnon stuff and because that's like that's like the magic side that like can make us feel better whether it's you know how real it is or not I I this is not a wellness podcast we'll get to dating soon I promise I just find this so fascinating and I also think it's important if you're like seeing a lot of this shared by friends to like get some context because I think what QAnon is like established um it's listed as a threat by the FBI but it's established uh politically with political motivations um it's not just about you know, actually defeating the problem of sex trafficking in this country. It's about politicizing the issue to get people to buy into this thing and, you know, have that benefit a certain party. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where it's dangerous is because like QAnon's putting a different kind of quote unquote magic out there that's actually not magical and lovely at all, but it still gives people a sense of control like, oh, if there's this secret deep state, like everything that's so awful in our country and just scary right now with the pandemic and like, you know, all sorts of different things coming down from the White House that are totally, I don't know, make me terrified every day. Like the post, we don't have a fucking future for our USPS. Like that's all scary. And but people are clinging on to something that's like ultimately part of the problem instead of like real like productive spiritualism. Um, yeah. And I think that's the, that's where that overlap is from. And I am fully fascinated, like the sociologists studying this, like I just want to keep understanding why this happens, though it also terrifies me. So Totally. That's, but it yeah. makes total sense that this ha- is happening in a time when, like, the world is very scary. Of course, conspiracy theories are flourishing. And, like, I'd really encourage everyone to go watch John Oliver's piece on conspiracy theories. I think it's free on YouTube. He usually puts his long-form, they usually put his long-form pieces up there. But it talks a lot about, like, ways to think critically about conspiracy theories. And, like, I won't regurgitate them because I will do it improperly. But it's, like, one of the points is, like, how many people would have to be lying perfectly for this to be true how many mm-hmm. people would have to be concealing like, like just it, it helps you break things down because look some things start as conspiracy theories and end up being true it's the rarity but it's like it, it you know occasionally happens but most of the time that's not the case and there are ways you can bring like everyone has the ability to think critically and you just have to like i think that people are scared right now so they're not challenging themselves yeah. to do that. And like you could dabble in certain conspiracy theories and interested by them, I think without it being super problematic. This is just a new level and it's, you know, directly being encouraged by someone who really wants to be reelected. Um I would also just recommend I found that the article in the Atlantic that I read and was like the crazy person telling all my friends about this group QAnon um was The Prophecies of Q. It's a really good article, like taking it all the way back to Pizzagate. I won't get into this, but just breaking down what this is and how it's evolved. And obviously, I think since this article was published, unfortunately, it's gotten even larger. Um, but yeah, 
So just we thank you for letting me do that. But Unwell on Netflix is just an interesting watch too. I don't have anything um, else really. I would consume Michelle Obama's speech from the DNC. I feel like, you know, why would you watch the DNC? A lot of people are feeling that way. But her speech and actually Bernie Sanders' speech as a non-Bernie stan I thought were really just like even powerful reminders to me. And I think important to listen to even if you're not a Democrat. Um, just like, oh, I've got to vote. Like it, this, the stakes are high. So that's my totally that's my soapbox for the day. But I was impressed by both of them. I was I was zonked, and so I didn't watch. But I'm going to. Today. Yeah, it's just Michelle <laughs> um, Obama the way she speaks. Like, oh my god, it's just you can't tear your eyes away. It's truly something. Like, just run, please. I know that's the I like. <laughs> I almost started re-listening. I listened to her audiobook, like her book becoming. I listened yes, to an audiobook because she narrates it. Audiobook because she narrates it. Yep. It's so good, and I think it was maybe like a year and a half ago that I listened, and I think I'm ready for a re-listen. It's like just, yeah, yeah, she's so cool. Yeah. Anyway, thanks all. I just had to get that out there. <laughs> um, I think it's good. We need to. I mean, we have a tiny platform, but I think it's. It's just important to, yeah. to remember to think critically about everything. Yes, I agree. And anyone who tells you not to think critically about things is that's suspect in any arena of life. Yes. Yeah. Anyone that's, though, that's a cult cult mentality. Right. To not be Even a though like thinker uh, and the, uh, the Atlantic article goes into it. But the whole interesting thing about this, too, is that with the QAnon stuff, they're like, think critically, but like do your own research. Like don't like it, it's got like all of mainstream media is wrong it's just like so bonks okay i gotta stop i gotta stop give me okay no, i i think it's good um I think we need to yeah no i'm glad yeah. to it, it's gone too far it's not like i don't think we're like platforming like giving them a platform i think it's, yeah it's more like just be careful because like your aunt is definitely posting about it that's what i've started to realize okay yeah. well okay liza shall we before we get into the excellent discussion do a listener question from yeah, let's do it. Z, secret Facebook group. If you haven't joined it, let's pitch you right now as I pull this up. Okay, so now that I have selected a Q, oop, I had to say Q, Q, and boop, boop, boop. That's the transition. Okay, a Full question. circle. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> I'm part of the problem. I'm in the cult. Whatever. Okay, so this is a question from our secret Facebook group um, that I think is interesting, especially in, you know, times of dating and connecting with people online and then you know maybe not seeing them immediately and so I feel like there are a lot of relationships where you're finally meeting up or sussing things out together and then someone isn't exactly as you expected them to be etc and I feel like this question just kind of deals with like what do you call out and what do you not call out when it comes to behavior so this is more an open question than a specific situation But I was wondering where you guys draw the line between being honest with someone about how their actions have made you feel and thinking it's not up to you to teach them how to be a courteous and decent person. Mostly situations where a guy I'm dating has upset me. I know that communication is key. However, recently, I feel like I just can't be bothered wasting my time or energy explaining why their actions are wrong slash inconsiderate, etc. I feel like many of my friends and myself spend so much time explaining to partners why something they did or didn't do was shitty that it's almost becoming an excuse for bad behavior. I don't know, just rambling, but keen to hear everyone's opinions. Edit, what I mean by excuse for bad behavior is that the person can be like, oh, I had no idea that this behavior was an issue. Or even my own friends will say, men are just stupid without realizing it, so you have to explain to them what they've done. Um, My question is, why should I? Can I not just find someone who's self-aware enough to consider their feelings of their partner? 
And I think we can kind of extrapolate from this of just like, what do you call out? What don't you call out? How Whether it's, you know, earlier or, you know, in an actual relationship that's been going on for some time. Liza, what's your take here? God, that's such a good question. And I think it's like a, such a fundamental question about dating that I don't even necessarily know that I've thought about concretely, which is like, yeah, damn, that's a good question. Um, I don't have an immediate response. I, I think that like, I think that like the most, to me, the most important thing is knowing exactly what you're okay with and what you're not okay with in terms of like the the treatment of you. So if someone does something to you um, that you feel is, this is probably obvious, but that you feel is in any way like gaslighty or unkind or emotionally abusive or manipulative, mm-hmm. I think those things, if you can immediately identify them, means that it's a bad person and you should walk away um if we're in like let's say that's like the high level tier if we're in one tier below that and you see some problematic behaviors to me it's like i think you still have to call out the things you're not okay with and then the metric i i would think the metric is are people responsive to it do people hear you without getting i mean it's totally understandable for people to get defensive if you criticize someone's something that someone's done I would react defensively immediately. Like, so I don't think you have to um, shut down defensiveness. Like, I don't think defensiveness is like a deal breaker, but I think that like, can you break through the defensiveness and just be like, no, I want to have a conversation about this. Like, it matters mm-hmm. to me. Are they receptive? And does it seem like they're willing to change their behavior? Yeah. Um. That being said, to answer your broader question, if you have to do that about a lot of things, that's where I think like, it's not your job. If it's like you see someone being regularly dismissive of your feelings in a way that's small where it's like no you're fine don't don't like I feel like a lot of men like like to brush aside feelings because they're uncomfortable with them and if you can be like hey actually like I want to talk about this it doesn't have to be a fight but it is important to me that we communicate about our feelings mm-hmm. and you're able to like get him to I'm assuming this is <laughs> This is a woman who dates men, which is which is problematic of me. No, it is. But it is in the po- in the post. It said that, but yes. Okay. Also, I'm I am completely guilty of just being very dismissive of other people's feelings. So, uh, so yeah. Sorry that I don't know if that fully answered the question, but that's my thought. Is like as long as it's not like really really icky, yeah, and it's not in everything the person does. I think what you said about, you know, kind of starting with yourself, Liza, is super important. My take is know your standards, know what you're okay with. That doesn't mean that everyone you meet is going to, I'll play a little devil's advocate here, meet those standards. And that's okay. That's how you date and you weed through them. On the apps, when people are assholes to you, it's it's not your job to educate them. If you have that energy and want to put in that time, labor, you know, props to you but like even the worst assholes you can just block them I almost think it's not worth feeding the trolls there um if this is about you know maybe a few dates in um also not your job but let's say I'm thinking about like let's say it's like a third date thing where I'm speaking to my own experience I had a lot of you know after the third date or something would fizzle or after sometimes three months actually well I was like it was the three but I'm like oh no Kimmy you extended it to three months something would start to fizzle 
And in those cases, you know, I would feel angry at the men I was dating for not giving me what I wanted. Oftentimes did not know exactly what I wanted and had not communicated that. But I'm just picturing a situation, again, whether it's three dates or three months, where you've kind of, you've communicated what you wanted and it's still being dismissed. And so it's probably time to end things because you sound more evolved than I ever was while dating. Um, And in ending that thing, I think it's okay, whether it's three dates or three months, to politely, I don't think it's like, teach some stupid man what he's doing wrong because I'm going to speak back to my experience. It wasn't usually like the man was doing anything wrong. He just wasn't doing things the way I wanted them. You know, I wanted to have someone who wanted to be serious or a partner with me at some point. He didn't, you know. So I think it's important like when you quote unquote educate or teach someone what they did wrong at that stage in something, whether it's three days or three months, it's just about being like, hey, this is how I felt. Um, this makes me feel like you feel this other way um it's less about scolding I know I'm not being clear I wish I had like a concrete example let me think I think I got angry and was like you've been a fuck boy to some people in my life where it was more like hey um I'm just looking for this you know I can't pick up on your signals like there's a nicer way to like call it out and not just to be nice But because it's not, not everyone's going to meet you where you are. If people are true assholes and they're just at any stage in a relationship, not communicating with you, ghosting on a date, et cetera, that's totally up to you. Again, if you have the energy and you want to call it out or if you're just like, fuck this, I'm done. That's my my big spiel. No, I think that makes total sense. And I also think like, I just look back at the question and to to, to your specific question of like, the, the feeling that you can't be bothered wasting your time or energy explaining why their actions are wrong or inconsiderate, I think that's also an important thing to follow. If you feel like it's not worth your time, it's probably not worth your time. Like, I, I say this because, like, I've been in a couple relationships, every relationship I've been in where I have felt like, okay, we got to work on a couple things. And in one of those relationships, I tried to work on those things. I tried badly. I was young and immature. And there was no like change or growth. And I got to a point where I was like, this, this isn't happening and it's not worth my time. And that's when I left the relationship. But also like in my current relationship, which I feel really proud of, when we first started dating, like we were super in love and it was very like immediately, like I had all kinds of crazy feelings. And that made me realize like, oh, any effort I have to put in to make sure like we're on the same page about how we want to live and how we, how we need to communicate is so, it felt so worth my time. Mm-hmm. It felt like... This is work that we've got to do because I think this person is like so worth it. And I think that like if you feel that you're putting in work for no, um, I don't want to say reward, that feels like weirdly transactional, but you're putting in work and it's not um, having any kind of positive effect on the person or the relationship or for you, then like it's probably not the right person yeah that's a good litmus test I really like that I think that well even in friendships or I'm thinking in my relationship yeah it's really you know you get into those fights and we shout and I get stubborn but when I just articulate even if we were both wrong or I was wrong what made me like feel the way that I did the fight's always over sooner in a productive way sometimes it's like a rockier conversation for that moment rather than just kind of 
being silently angry and then again like quarantine has just led to everything being dramatic um but yeah I just I've had to learn to really be better about productively calling out this is not again exactly your question because it's not necessarily bad behavior because sometimes I'm the one with the bad behavior who needs to be called out but calling out what's what's actually bothering me that feels important totally great question yeah yeah I want to keep thinking about it I feel like it'd be interesting to continue thinking about that question as we get like specific dating scenarios I'd almost love who you know our secret Facebook poster if you'd like to tell us a specific situation then I feel like it'd be easier for me to be like worth your time not worth your time but broadly speaking it's tricky yeah yeah and I feel like it plays out in so many relationships where it's like how much do I need to be your parent not really but like how much do I need to teach you how to be a person versus how much should I expect you to already be a person you know like yeah it's it's always a tricky balance. Um, thanks for thanks for posting that. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I will add um, one right. one thought. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Last thought. It's just that if it's like bad behavior, like, and I don't know if if this poster was white, but if it's like racist bad behavior and you're white, like that's where we do need to be putting in the work and calling it out. Yes, not be totally. lazy about it. That's that's yeah. like again, I don't I don't know. I didn't look at this poster's profile, um, quite like recently, but. You know, that's just a, yeah, a side thing problematic thought. around race, gender, <laughs> conspiracy theories. Honestly, yeah. Gotta do Call work. it out. We um, have to try. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about our uteri. Grambleys. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back with the exdition of this podcast i am really extravaganza no extravaganza the egg jokes in our household the past couple weeks have been just constant it's it's really uh it's really been we've really covered a lot of egg territory but in all seriousness liza how how are you feeling um maybe right now and then you can tell us what the process was like a little bit totally yeah so I had my retrieval yesterday um, morning, so it's been just about 24 hours since I was discharged. Um, and yeah, and I guess, I mean, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Um, well, I don't know. What's the best place to start? I feel, I feel not great, but better than yesterday. I think it's worth a, a lot of, I got a lot of messaging around the retrieval being like no big deal, and it is not crazy you know it's nothing like having um invasive surgery or anything like that but it's definitely uh yesterday especially but even today like I don't feel great so I don't know I think it's worth saying I think a lot of people like Kimmy and I were talking about this before we hop on like downplay um female pain I think it's possible I also have like a low pain threshold and some people responded I'll get into all of this but some details around my retrieval did lead to like more painful um 
uh, more pain after the retrieval like again like everyone is different and the thing that i've also super learned is like everyone responds to this differently so obviously i'm speaking to like just my very tiny experience yeah no i think maybe start at the beginning just because i mean honestly i'm even even though i've watched these like eggfluencer stories i'm you know i'm too afraid to do this i don't have the money to do this right now but if i but I'm getting to the point where I probably need to do this at some point. And I just I like don't understand how it all works. Totally. Yeah. So I'll give my my spiel. My my first thing is like the the why I think is so I'm 32 um, and I thought that I would have more clarity at this stage in my life around having kids, especially because I have a really wonderful partner who I love so much and I think like we would be great parents together and the idea of having kids with him is very non-scary to me but the idea of having kids just for myself <laughs> is very scary and I continue to have thought at every uh, every year that passes by that I'll have this like moment of inspiration around whether or not I want it I've always been ambivalent about it I've never been someone who really knew I did or did not want kids there's lots of people out there who know and are like for sure like in one camp and they don't change their mind and that's like I, I envy those people a lot because it makes um planning your life a lot easier but I kind of you know kept time kept going by I have nieces and nephew and uh, nieces and a nephew who I love more than anything I think they're the best humans in the entire world um and I kind of thought that like seeing them grow up would help me achieve clarity and like it didn't you know no, like I love when them they're so like, much you love them so much but sorry like <laughs> there's I'm thinking of like the little ones I've loved in my life like the girls I used to babysit for who are like my little family now uh, there's certain ages where you're like that doesn't help that doesn't help me decide on children it's like totally terror completely and like it's I can never get enough time with them and it, it's it's crazy to like Literally, I think all three of them are the most special people in the world. Like, I, I'm obsessed with them. Um, but it's just more about me and, like, what I want out of life and my career and um, how much is still up in the air in terms of, like, what I want out of my future career-wise. Um, so, so I've been very unsure. I've always been very unsure. I'm also super, like, I'm a Gemini. Sorry for the astrology haters. Decision making is hard for us. Um, so we, yes, and, and Jeff feels the same way. Both of us have complete uncertainty. And it got to a point where I was like, God, if neither of us have any idea and I'm only getting older, like this is tricky. I wish that one of us had some kind of idea in either direction. So he actually brought up, and then that brings up, so, so that's the like, the why of of why we did it uh, in terms of like feelings the other reason was that he is super lucky to work for a company that has a lot of employee benefits like they have um you know they're a tech company and uh, similar to like a lot of tech companies they throw a lot of you know kind of like cool shit at their employees so one of those is they pay for um like a, a large chunk of they give every employee a large chunk of money towards fertility treatments um so uh my fiance Jeff had brought up at some point like look we can we can do this if you want to and it will be paid for um egg freezing falls under well under the the line of what they pay for um that being said like that's a massive privilege and I I will never I, I was literally crying about this yesterday I was having a lot of emotions but like it's an incredibly lucky thing that I'll never ever ever take for granted because 
it's very expensive mm-hmm. and it's prohibitively expensive. And it, we, I don't, I would be happy to say the, tell everyone the full number. We don't know yet because like we haven't gotten our bills, but you know, just on medicine alone, I think we spent $2,500. Yeah. That's without any doctor fear. It's probably going to be about between ten dollars and $15,000. It's insanely expensive. <sighs> it's... Not something I probably would have or could have done on my own. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Like, unfair. it's really, I yeah, mean... it's very unfair. Yeah. Yep. And it's tough because I even grappled with, like, is this okay to do when so many people can't do it? I just was like, uh, I don't know. I don't like the feeling of um, any health care or preventative med. Like, I kind of view this as like preventative medicine almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't like, I really don't like the idea that it's in any way exclusive or, um, you know, leaves anyone without that option. Like, I, I have some like weird ethical concerns about that. And I know like I did it anyway, but no, uh, you can't. It's definitely. Yeah. F- yeah. You can't go down that it's, path right now. But I, you know, I think I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people listening appreciate you saying that. But, you know, you got to do what's right for you. And, you know, you, you did have this opportunity. And- yeah. And that's the thing. And like I've, I've said this before, like I think that if we if we didn't have this opportunity, I probably wouldn't have done it, um, which because uh, I don't think I would have been able to justify paying for it. That being said, um now being on the other side of it i'm i I think that it's worth making some accommodations if you are even in that world if your parents are willing to cover a small portion of it or you you know whatever i think if you can afford it like lots of people can afford this not necessarily me but if you can i think it's a really great thing to do um you know last night jeff and i were kind of like sitting and reflecting on it a little bit and he I was just like, holy shit, like my grandmother didn't have access to birth control when she had my mom mm-hmm. in the early 50s. Like birth control didn't exist. And here, two generations later, I have like such control over my fertility and my future. And that's wild. Um, it's just such a wild uh, it, and it's amazing impressive. thing for like the feminist movement. Of course, it's not inclusive feminism when you have to be rich to pay for it even though like yeah. i am not rich but i'm just in this unique op- unique situation um anyway those so, so that's the like that's the like how and why um and then getting into like what's what's interesting Should i guess I talk like, about, like the I'll, process a i will literally ask you when you thought about this like the process is interesting because i'm really don't want to do it for so many these are all my concerns i'll tell you them and then you tell me what feels relevant you know do i even have any eggs you know so i'd have to figure that out and how long will i be able to do it i know i'm really hitting the ceiling here on the age will it change my body this whole process and the hormones and how will i feel about that can i do it with my iud in sorry there's a lot of questions Um, this is almost everything everything you're asking is exactly what i asked the doctor when i went in you know how should i do it do you just do the eggs do you do the embryos that's very nitty-gritty and specific um like yeah i guess like i this is so terrible but my main thing is you know i'm about to get another iud i have the morena i've had a good experience with it i'm almost at six years um so i guess it's not all that effective anymore but uh, it is in my body, and I've been told that that's okay. 
I am afraid because it took a good three months to get used to. And I know, Liza, you even were just mentioning that, you know, the copyright ID took like a full year for you. And I feel like maybe it was a full year for me too. And I just don't remember because I, I just got over it. Like, and then it was so lovely to not, you know, be burdened by. But um, I don't know. I'm just like, huh. I guess I'm just like, how do I weigh the discomfort uh, cost? You can take out cost. We already talked about that, you know potential impact to my body which is again seems really shallow but when you've struggled with eating disorders as you and I have it's not um and versus you know how sure I am that I will one day want those eggs I don't know know. yeah no it's I mean it's a really really hard decision to make and I feel like well I'll start by saying neither of us are doctors of course oh yeah your medical professional no 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 (laughs) um but I literally like those are all my questions. A, yes, you can do it with an IUD. Um, I have the copper IUD. I, I, I'm not positive about the Marina, but I'm pretty sure. I just told her I had an IUD and she was like, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Um, I have the coolest lady doctor. If anyone's in New York and interested, please DM me. I will tell you her name and if you would like to see her. She's um, really, really great and also very non-alarmist. I feel like there's so much alarmism around your fertility. Yep. And what she said when we went in was like, you know, basically uh the the okay so the the hormones the the younger you do it the less hormones you need so i was really lucky because at doing it at 32 i was on almost the lowest dose of hormones so actually for the first week it's about 8 to 12 days of like active hormone injections I think I did 11, 11 days scared. of hormone injections. <laughs> the in, look, the injections suck. Uh, no, Ugh. no lie. And I am so glad that Jeff gave me every single one. I would say, like, they're not the worst to do. And after you get used to it, it's not that bad. But the first couple of days, especially, I was like, God, he was so nervous about fucking it up. He was like, he would be like sweating. Like, he just like, it's just very, it's like scared, a little scary. I'm going to throw up. But I'm going to throw up. I don't like the <laughs> Oh my god oh this is you're gonna have a lot of moments when i tell you this way the needles were a bummer and it, it's like it was two two or three shots a night in your tummy um they were not that painful i'm a i'm a wimp about needles okay and then you go in almost every morning the first week i went in like every other morning for a blood test and an ultrasound and then the second week you go in every morning so the honestly the thing that sucked the most is getting your blood taken that's what i was like i literally i can't you can't see because the iv was there but i have like it looks like i have a problem because i have so i have bruises and like puncture marks all in my um veins and stuff uh so that's definitely tough i think it would be i am like very lucky that i'm not working right now because i was going to do this while i had a full-time job and it would have been you know you you get up you go to the monitoring like 7 or 8 a.m. You go to work and then at night you have to do your shots. And, you know, the the, hor- the first week of the hormones was not. I-, I was like, I feel great. I don't feel like I was like, I got a little cocky the first week. I think when we <laughs> talked last week, I was like, this is nothing. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then a couple days after that, I started just basically feeling so bloated that like I could not sit comfortably. Basically, your ovaries just get massive. So like anywhere I was sitting, I was like uncomfortable. You can just feel like this intense pressure in your pelvis. So like it's very hard to get comfortable. Lying down was kind of the only comfortable thing, but you can't just like lie down all day. So that was definitely, uh, you know, the, the biggest discomfort for me was especially in the last few days, like you just feel like everything is kind of super uncomfortable. 
Um, I was lucky because I was younger and I was on low. I had I had decent like hormone health to start with, um, and a decent number of follicles growing. They were able to keep me on like very low doses of the hormones, so I didn't actually have any emotional side effects, which. Mm. I was really grateful for because it would have been I had one weirdly I had one hour one night <laughs> where I just got so sad and I started crying about nothing and then it passed immediately and I was like oh that was full like that nothing happened and I just was crying and I was so frustrated with like something stupid like I couldn't figure something out on my computer and I started crying about like there was like I had one or two moments like that and then in the past couple of days the well I'll get to this but they, you actually take pregnancy hormones to trigger you do this thing at the end when you're ready for the retrieval where you take a trigger shot and it's a bunch of pregnancy hormones. So I had like all these weird, like I was like feeling really happy one day and then really sad and just really like weirdly very absent minded. I forgot a lot of stuff. I forgot my therapy appointment that I have at the same time every week. Like I just spaced. You were like a pregnant person and this would make me not yeah. want to get pregnant ever. <laughs> yes. It was weird. The spaciness was the biggest thing. Like I was just like, that was... And it could have been like quarantine brain or just whatever, but it was very weird to me. Like I was forgetting really basic stuff. Like I remember one night I couldn't remember if I had fed the dog or not. Like I just couldn't remember if I had already done it. It was such a weird feeling. Um, But but overall, yeah. So that's kind of the basic like outline of how it works and um, then what like my side effects were. And then you do this retrieval. Sorry. And then just in terms of process and then. You store the eggs? Yes. So you store them. And Jeff and I did have like a long conversation about doing eggs versus embryos. Our doctor, it used to be that embryos were way more stable than eggs. Mm-hmm. Our doctor advised us that like there are new freezing techniques that are way higher. The, the way that they freeze eggs and embryos now is way better. They like flash freeze them essentially. And she said that there it is slightly more stable to freeze embryos, um, but not that much more stable mm. so there's like not a hugely significant difference and ex- so sorry excuse me in- ignorance with embryos it would just be like they put it together for you yes okay. so it would be like he would provide a sperm sample they would make basically a the the and the seed of a baby an embryo <laughs> um i know it's crazy <laughs> and then they help. freeze it and then when you're when you want to use them they defrost the whole thing pop it into you and hopefully everything works out um my uh, th- another big reason to do that and a lot of people actually do this which i learned because they have genetic disorders so jeff and i actually both did genetic testing oh wow and talked to a gene counselor because they were like if there's any genetic issues between the two of you guys they would recommend doing embryos because they can test the embryos to make sure you aren't having a baby that is going to have like significant medical problems wow um, wow science. so it's really cool science is awesome so we did genetic testing. We both don't have any problematic genetic. There's nothing problematic in our genetic combo. Um, like we're not both carriers of anything similar. So we were, so, so we kind of decided like, let's just do eggs. It's simpler. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we don't need to take like these extra steps now. Um, so that was the decision there. And then what else did I? I guess, no, I guess. So is this one retrieval? Like when did you like? Don't they kind of tell you what they think, how many eggs you have, how many you might get? Yes. Like, what what are even the numbers? Do you want 15? Totally. Do you want one? I don't know anything about the woman's body. Totally. <laughs> so I think that from everything we were told, they you're kind of aiming for between, like, between 10 and 20 is, like, a good situation. If you get fewer than 10, 
um they recommend you do it again which okay. both of us were like we're not oh. doing that if we get lower than 10 like we probably couldn't afford it um but uh so so that's the situation and, and the more you get like the more chances you know a certain amount of eggs won't survive the freezing process i think and then a certain amount won't survive the defrosting process again not a doctor but they, like every egg they take out of you doesn't doesn't it doesn't end up being a viable option so okay. i got 25 extracted which is like a very good number fertile I'm really happy about fertile. it yeah. sorry like, that's gross to say. <laughs> not at all i was like i was feeling so proud like jeff was like lightly teasing because i was kind of like at 25 <laughs> um but i'm waiting for a call today to, to hear how many of those are actually going to be like you know viable and they did okay in the freezing and everything like that um and then of course like the other thing that i think is probably important to mention is like this is not a lot of people do i think assume this is like a, a ironclad insurance policy and there's still only about like i think it's something like percentages are hard with this because everything has to do with your age your hormone health there's so many factors mm -hmm. but i think that only still equals out to like a 75 percent chance of like a successful pregnancy depending on the age that i decide to go forward so obviously that's hugely better than um not having right. them but it's not at all like you get this done and then you're set and you can have kids at any age um Ugh. so it's worth doing like all that kind of research too i will say that like if you're thinking about it the younger you do it the better because basically now at if i have kids at 42 my eggs will be 32 like they will be for mm -hmm. us for for ladies unfortunately like our eggs we are born with all the eggs we're ever going to have so they age with us Mm -hmm. and um whereas men like produce sperm consistently throughout their life oh i'm so angry doesn't decline i know it's, it's so frustrating nothing is fair and then we don't get to yeah. control our bodies in most yeah. states like i don't it's really frustrating it's frustrating that like even with all this science with all of the like privilege i have in being able to do this it's still so much harder for me and like yeah, I mean, even, like, Jeff feels so guilty right now because he just saw yeah. me all day yesterday, like, kind of rolling around in bed in pain, whatever. And, like, you know, I'm doing all this ostensibly, like, for our future together. And he's like, oh, my God, it, like, if I, if, if I, my part in this would be so easy. Like, yep. it's, it's definitely frustrating. Yeah. But also, it's so amazing, even if you don't freeze your eggs, just what the options we have are our amazing fertility doctor even was like look if you guys come back to me and you're 37 and you want to have kids she was like i'm not going to tell you to use these eggs like just try for six months to a That's year that i was going to ask you okay yeah and she's like but she was like you know sometimes this is for your second kid sometimes this is because you've been trying for two years on your own it doesn't work out yep um and can you donate your eggs that if you don't ever use them that's a great question i don't know i don't think anyone would want my eggs <laughs> I mean, for people who are who, who are infertile, totally. Know? I and I absolutely would. I think like I may have too many um, medical issues. I don't know. Who oh, knows? I see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I know. don't have anything crazy, but I do have you know like a couple of chronic. I'm asthmatic, and I have all these food allergies and shit like that. But like, I would absolutely be down for that. That's a very generous question that I haven't thought about. Which <laughs> I'm kind of a no. It's just I have a deep fear of that because I've never had a pregnancy scare that I'm totally no infertile. i had never i will be honest i've never had one either okay yeah and i think that it's um i was really worried especially the first appointment i went to uh they take your blood and they do an ultrasound and they're looking at basically how fertile you are and i was like this isn't gonna be good 
because uh, I just was like, I just kind of assumed I was like, I'm not that healthy. I've never had a, a serious pregnancy scare. Like I just, you know, I think my mom had some fertility issues. Like there's, I was just like, this is going to be bad. And they were like, oh, you're super, super fertile. This is great. Like all your levels are good. You have lots of follicles. So like mm. you never know. Um, and yeah, you just can never be totally sure. But even if like you are not um, like actively thinking about having a kid, there are, I mean, we, we actually used to advertise for modern fertility, but there, this is not, ad, not paid or advertised, but like, I felt very comforted seeing a fertility doctor or you potentially ask your regular gyno about this just to kind of see what your hormone health is right. like and what your follicles look like, because there are definitely warning signs when you're younger, if you are going to deal with infertility, not definitely, I don't know, shit, I'm not a doctor, but I think it's worth having a conversation with your gynecologist about. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I really need to. I think that would just like put some things in perspective because I feel I feel ambivalent. My partner doesn't. I I think both of us don't want children right now. But um, yeah, it just I just don't know when I'll be ready, Liza. But maybe that would take some exact same way. Yeah, I think that like if there's a way to do it, I would recommend doing it. None of this has been easy. I will definitely say like. I have not. My, my doctor was just like, don't don't weigh yourself. She was just like, just don't do it oh, for God. like a month yep. around the whole thing. But she also said that she doesn't see this was a concern for me. This was like a question I asked. I was embarrassed asking it. And she was like, no, everyone asked this. She was like, usually you don't see long term weight gain, but you do see short term weight gain. And I will say that, like, everything's tight. My stomach's extremely bloated. Mm-hmm. Um, it it you know, the the retrieval was painful and no one sort of prepared me for that Mm. necessarily but oh what I was back to what I was saying earlier like because I had a high number of eggs apparently you have more pain afterwards if you have more eggs your ovaries get bigger Mm. they have to do more like poking around or something Mm. no one actually really explained it to me but like that's that's something that happens so they were like you know you're gonna have um more it's like almost it feels like basically really severe period cramps or it doesn't feel that different from when I got my IUD inserted actually um you know, and I've been lying around with a heating pad and some pain meds and it's been okay, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not, um, you know, they were like, oh yeah, you rest the day of your retrieval and then you go back to work the next day. Like today's the next day. Like if I was working in office, like I wouldn't necessarily want to be in an office right now. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's just worth noting that like it's not, and you do have to go under anesthesia. Like it's, it's not invasive surgery, um, but it's not. But you go all the way under. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. never gone all the way under. Wow, I just it's so people weird. listening it's to this must feeling. be like Kimmy's just having a life crisis on this podcast. No, but like overall, look, like would I recommend it? Like, yeah, if you um, if it's within your means and you can figure out a way to pay for it, and you have ambivalence about having kids, like I feel so relieved today. Yeah, you know, even with the pain and the it's it's hard work like the many many appointments or whatever like it's it's a pain in the ass uh the procedures and everything but um you know it's such a it's such a like i feel very empowered now knowing that like my um my future is a little bit more in my hands especially thinking about people like my grandmother you know who had six kids and didn't have access to birth It, it just makes me feel very lucky that I yep. can use my 30s to um try to have the career that I really want and uh yeah and focus on make that the focus no I that's a really good point and 
Yeah. Oh, you're it's and thank you for doing this the day after anesthesia. Uh, also, I mean, okay, just is more spiraling coming out of my mouth. But maybe, do you feel like it was better that you were all the way under, so you couldn't really think about what was happening? Oh, totally. Okay, yeah. yeah. Because- oh, definitely. I was happy to be under. The only thing that really sucked was I have very, I have very bad veins. I'm not trying to scare you off, I promise. But just in full transparency, I have very small veins. I've always had issues getting blood drawn. They had to try to place the IV three times in three different spots. Yeah, fuck that. And it was extremely painful. Mm -hmm. That was the worst. Getting the IV placed was far and away the worst part for me. Um, And uh, that was like a large bummer. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's also painful to have a baby. So That's true. I don't want – oh, my gosh. I'm just so bad at being a woman. No. I think the thing – a lot of this, like you've heard my reactions on this – recording it freaks me out to think about it's the same way I do I'm really scared to get my IUD again not because I even had I had pain and cramping the months after but I didn't have as bad of a first day as like because I didn't know what I was in for I think just the way you know again to your point Liza women's pain especially when it comes to things like endometriosis um Violet Claire has been doing an amazing story posting about that but anyways oh not taken as seriously or not you know is not described in the same way that other painful procedures are but I think for me it's usually when I know what's going on it freaks me out or like when I got I had to get a biopsy on my breast and like it just took some time and I was totally numb and I didn't feel anything and I'm fine but they were like oh you're doing great but like are you okay are you sure we're not hurting you because my face was just so like scrunched because I was just uncomfortable thinking about what they were poking around in (laughs) Totally. Like it just. I mean, I just. Like, I was so embarrassed, it. but I was weeping when they were trying to place the IV. Yeah, weeping, and not even because it hurt, but because I was like so freaked out by the, by the idea of what they were doing. Yes, and that, yes. It was my hands and arms. I was looking away and keeping my eyes closed, but I was like, it just. It's it's very. I was when as soon as I saw that that as soon as I felt the like anesthesia, you kind of feel it like. They tell you like, okay, we're going to start. My my anesthesiologist was a super like cool lady anesthesiologist. She had like cool glasses and earrings. And I was like, oh, like I want to be friends. But she was like, you know, put yourself on a beach or I don't know what your thing is. Put yourself on a rainy day, you know. <laughs> and as she was saying this, I started to get a little swirly and I was like fucking so relieved. I was yeah. like, put me out. I wish they had been able to put me in twilight sleep from the time I walked into the hospital to the time I l- like left. Y- it's yes. so much better when you don't because the anxiety around the procedures are like really high for me. I was yep. so freaked out. It's all and the anticipation. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh yep. gosh. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I hope that, I mean, it was very enlightening and educational for me. Um, and I hope, you know, it was interesting to anyone out there listening it's very totally. dating also, related. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's like we all, especially right now, we're, we're hearing from so many listeners about feeling like their timelines are being delayed because of COVID. Like we all have certain expectations of our life. And I think it's so great to be able to like plan things out that way of like, I want to get married around this age, whatever. And then there is a certain amount of things like we can't control in that respect. But especially with everybody's timelines like so up in the air, um, I, I think it's, um yeah it's definitely like applicable to a lot of the stuff we talk about but truly if anyone wants to dm me you can you can dm my like personal instagram at, at liza joe Renz, um or 51 first dates like if anyone's thinking about doing it or has more specific questions like i'm so happy to answer any questions or or whatever because like yeah it's just i think nice to have i, I kind of wish i had had like a couple more people to talk to about it before i did it but 
Um, so please reach out. Yeah, that's a good point. You were like my IUD point of contact. Now you're my egg point of contact if I go down that route. Ugh, and it. I'm such a wimp. God, I was my, I hated my IUD insertion. But it's horrible. also the copper one is supposed to be truly hell. Like I think mine was, it was worse. Yeah, mine was not that level from what I understand. Um, but I'm still dreading the next one because of the anticipation and the anxiety. And like, dude, if men got IUDs, they would be they would get laughing gas or something. I swear I to God, people Why just assume we? women can take so much pain. I know that we can't it's painful like i truly was like because i was talking to jeff about this last night because i was like oh my god this is making me dread getting another iud and he was like let's not maybe go there tonight no (laughs) but i was still talking about it and then he was like well i bet you could find someone who would like you know do some kind of pain like pain management stuff i was like you can't i was like i have have so many friends with iud's i've never heard of anyone being offered pain management outside of like you know, I don't know, maybe someone got prescribed a couple of Percocets or something, but it's not after. I mean, after is painful, too, but it's like during. Yeah, because after is painful, but like for months off and on, it's like it's more like just crampy or at least for me it was versus like, yeah, it's like just in the minute. And again, I don't think mine was nearly as painful. Oh, my God, I'm going to throw up just thinking about it. <laughs> no, just kidding. I, it's like but I'm getting another one. That's the thing, because my everything else, it made it so worth worth it for me. Everyone best. Not a doctor. We we just are. We both have had good experiences with our respective IUDs. Um, definitely never going to tell anyone what to do about their birth control or their body. But I'm happy to answer questions if anyone ever has that. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was an education. That's a lot of egg talk. No, we could have an expert on someday, too, if it's of interest to people. And if it's not, no worries. But, yeah, thank you for sharing, Liza. Totally. Thanks for listening. And I really hope I did not just eggfluencer everyone Egg-fluencing. without their consent. <laughs> I apologize if I did. Oh, I, my. Well, all thank right. you all for listening. We will be back we'll be back next week. And keep sending us questions. We're going to just always incorporate some female bag aspects, I think, especially in quarantine. Tell us what you're consuming. Come on and talk about a date if you want. Uh, just you know where to find us. Call us, beep us, 514statespod at gmail.com or Instagram. I'm being more active there. I'm trying. I'm trying. All about it. We love you guys so much. Um, don't go on a date. Wear a mask. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>